No, you need to pray for her. She has a Jezebel spirit. It does run real deep. No, she no, no, she got it from her mother. Passed down from grandma. No, I'm talking on TV. No, she has a stomach virus. There's something going around. Yep, they got everything you said, sir. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Amen, 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 amen. How's everybody doing? All right. Let's talk about sacrifice. Does anybody know what sacrifice means? What's your definition of sacrifice? Is that a sacrifice? It's it's so I'm glad you said that, Sister Moore. So when you think about what Jesus did for us on Calvary, is there anything in our life that we do for him that we can actually consider a sacrifice? Everybody getting quiet on me. But we very quick to use that scripture. Sacrifice the Lord with the, or praise him with the, the sacrifice of praise from our lips, fruit of our lips. Is it a sacrifice to praise? Sure. Hmm? Tay Tay, you ready? <laughs> so, when. The tabernacle was completed. God instituted, he had given Moses everything on the mount when he gave him the law. And after the tabernacle was completed, he instituted the sacrificial system. Now, sacrifices have been happening before that. Reading the Bible, a lot of sacrifices happened. But the ceremonial sacrifices were implemented after the temple, the, the tabernacle was dedicated. So God was really, we know, showing us a type and shadow of what he was going to do. But I think sometimes the church loses sight of what a living sacrifice is. Because we always associate sacrifice with giving up something or death, right? Right? But Paul wrote that we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice dedicated unto him. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Levi, what does that mean, Reverend? 
So we're going to explore that tonight. I think that when we really start to talk about sacrifice, our minds go in the left field. But when you really do a deep dive into sacrifice, it's really a pleasant thing if you've been born again. If you haven't been born again or you're living into the flesh, you are going to have a problem with sacrifice. When, how long you been Say, Sister Moore. Yeah. 51 years. Okay. Sister Glover, you grew up in this. Does anybody remember in camp meetings they would have the $50 line and the $100 line and the, 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 the silver line, which means the broke people with the change? You ever have one? You know? Sister Moore, you remember those? Yeah, they used to have those. I've been to a couple of camp meetings. And, oh, the Lord, we got the $100 line right here, and we got the $50 line right here, and we got the $20 line right here, and those of you that don't want to be left out, we got the change line. Like an auction. It was like an auction. And you see people running from this thing, and they have a $1,000 line. You see people running up there in the $1,000 line, knowing they're writing a bounce check. Anyway, we ain't going to get into that. Yeah. But they're running up there. Why? Because you didn't see too many people going into the change line. You saw a few in a $20 line, but the $50 and $100 line, people be running up there, Sierra, letting Levi know and letting everybody know, yeah, I'm, I'm sacrificing unto the Lord. You know what I say. You got that? Leave it there because we're going to come back. So in Leviticus, let's turn our Bibles to Leviticus. One, I'm getting old, so I got the glasses on. Leviticus 1, this is the first chapter where God starts to tell Moses all the type of offerings, the sacrifices that need to be brought to him. Now the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting and speak to the children of Israel and said to them, when any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock of the herd and of the flock, or domesticated animal. If your offering is of a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Now, this is not talking about a sin offering. This is talking about just a general offering. You want to give it to the Lord. In his offering, the burnt sacrifice, let it be without blemish, blemish and bringing it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. He shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and that will be accepted on behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord and the priest, and Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering. And cut it into pieces. Then the sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar and lay wood on it. The priest of Aaron's son shall lay the parts and the, uh, the head and the fat in the order on the wood. But he, but he 
which means a person is offering it, shall wash the entails, pretty much the body, and the legs and water, and the priest shall take that and put it on the altar and burn it as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. So, Moses is saying, letting them know, God is telling Moses, when you bring an offering, when you bring a sacrifice to me, I don't want a wild beast. I don't want you going out getting a three-legged dog. It has to be something from you, from your herd, from your, from, for pretty much from your domicile. And you need to bring it to me. And the first thing you need to do is put your hands on it for atonement. Does anybody know what the Bible means when they did that? It wasn't just laying your hand like this. Literally, they had to lean on it. Meaning, you only lean on something if it's stable. Meaning that all that trust had to go knowing that their atonement was going to be forgiven. You only lean on something that you trust is going to stand, right? So picture this. Remember Golden Girl, Sicily, 1947. Picture this. Old Testament times. You have two million. Two million. All of them, now you break down families and all that stuff, but all of them are doing this on a daily basis. So, Sister Moore, you have a lot of animals. You have a lot of dung. You have a lot of blood. You have a lot of death going happening all throughout this camp at the altar on a daily basis basis and and God has instituted this and so after the and the person that brings it is responsible for helping the priest prepare it it's not just your preacher's job to get you ready for the second coming of the Lord you have a big role in it. And God is showing us that this person, when they, when they, when they, after they laid their hands on the bull, cut his jugular vein. Think about that. Think about that. I know we watched the movie, The Ten Commandments, and we see all the nice little sheep and the cows and everything like that. A lot of them were murdered. They were slaughtered. Think about it. This is blood. This is nothing but gallons and gallons of blood being just, being just displayed and just being accumulated all around the altar. Think about that. Has anybody ever been to the zoo? It stinks, doesn't it? Animals stink. I got two dogs. I know it. And my little one, he, that boy can clear a room when he gets gassy. You're just sitting there like, oh, my God, that is not of this world. What is wrong with you? So you got all of this stuff going around, all of it happening on a daily, daily basis. Think about that. And so they go through all of this. If you bring a domesticated animal, this is what needs to happen. Then it says if you can't bring a domesticated animal, or something from your livestock, you have to bring a goat or a lamb. Okay? And it goes to that. And if the last part is, if you can't bring one of those two, you bring a turtle dove or a pigeon. Does that sound familiar? 
That's what Jesus' parents offered. Turtle, dove, and pigeon. You know what that means? That's what the poor gave. That's what the poor gave. So he was born into this world in nothing according to the world. He wasn't rich. Okay? So, God has thing whether you're middle class or whether you're very poor, you can still bring something. But this is the thing. You gotta bring something of value to you to give to him. And when you are laying your hands on that bull, because that was the only one. You didn't lay your hands on the goat or the sheep. You didn't lay your hands on a turtle dove. When you brought that stuff, it was important to you. It was something that you treasured. And so when we bring our offerings to the Lord, it is a sacrifice, so to say, because it is important to you. Sister Moore, you didn't have to drive from Chewila tonight, but you wanted to be in the house of the Lord. And God looks at that as an offering. Stop thinking offering is about the money in your pocket. It is something that comes from you to God that you are giving to him and he accepts it. And then it says, whether you gave the lamb or the goat, whether you gained something from the livestock or whether you gave a turtle dove or a pigeon, when it was all said and done, it was a sweet savor unto God. We're going somewhere, Sierra. Don't, don't worry. We're going to get there. It was a sweet savor unto God. And so he sets this precedence. And they do this for centuries on of this sacrificial system of grain offerings and peace offerings and regular offerings and, and atonements and all that stuff. All this stuff is instituted until Jesus Christ came on the scene that put all of that away because I am the one sacrificial lamb. I am the perfect lamb that when I went to Calvary, I did away with all of that. Okay? So he was our ultimate sacrifice. But why does Paul write to the Roman church saying you need to live your life as a daily sacrifice unto him? Hmm. Paul, do I need to die again? What, 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 what do you mean by that, Paul? And they call, a lot of theologians consider Romans the constitution of Christianity. So it's a very deep book. So Paul is saying all this, but we have to take a step back, girls, and Realize all of the chaos every day. Thousands of animals are slaughtered daily. You got dung. You got dead bodies. You have animals. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure animals know if something's going to happen to them. And they're like fighting the owners and they all, you got all of this stuff going on. All of it. And so when we look at all of that going on, can you imagine the smell, Sarah, that was deaf and dong and all the other things? Burnt. Has anybody ever smelled burnt flesh? It's a smell you will never forget. 
When I was in Afghanistan, they would uh, do car bombs. And you would hear, you would just be sitting in your room and hear, bang, I cannot explain it. And thou, not, so many Afghanis would be killed because of this car bomb. And we were so close to it, Brother Delorin, that smell, what you would, it, it, it's a smell that you would never forget, burning, rotten flesh. Think about all of that. All of that is going on. And God is saying, it's a sweet savor to me. Think about that. He's like, whew, boy, let me get up for this. It's a sweet savor unto him. You got all of this death. You got all of this going on. But what was the one thing that kind of diluted the smell? Incense. What this incense represents, Sister Glover, yours and my prayer. And this is the thing about prayer. It doesn't remove the smell, but it makes it bearable. And there are some things you're going to have to go through this life that is not going to be removed, but your prayer is going to make it bearable to make you go another day, to make you go another month, to make you go to one more church service. That incense, because once it got up in your nostrils, that death you didn't smell so bad, that dong you didn't smell so bad, the dead animals didn't smell so bad, because that incense, which represents your prayer, let me tell you something, every trial that you go through, God is not going to deliver you from, because it's supposed to test you, it's supposed to try you, you're tried by fire, but if you learn how to pray, if you learn how to grab a hold of God, it will make it bearable. All of that death, all of that going on, but it makes it bearable. Because you got to remember, the priest had to deal with all of that. They were there cutting the meat up and, and cutting the bodies up and putting it on the altar and this, that, and the other and washing them, all that stuff. You got... you. Every day you're dealing with that. If you're dealing with that, you better have a prayer life. You better have a prayer life. You, 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 me and Brother DeLorenz was talking about this on Sunday. Connect point. God is positioning us. He's positioning us. But are you prayed up ready to deal with it? Because let me tell you something. When you get new converts, you got a lot of diapers you better change. It's going to be a lot of stink you got to deal with. You got to deal with a lot of worldliness that's still going to be in them even after they're converted. You're going to have, you got people that's living for God for 20 years and still don't know how to act right. So Lord knows somebody that's just a new convert, but you're going to have to deal with all of it. And the only way you're going to be able to bear, the only way you're going to be able to just constantly say, okay, I got to continue to pray for them, you better have a prayer Life. Does anybody have an iPad or 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 uh, a tablet? I have. So I have. And does anybody have books on theirs? Do you read your books? So I have books that I read on my iPad, and it lets me lets me know, Tay Tay, that. If I've read my goal, I get a little, hey, congratulations, Al, you, you met your reading achievement. You want to know what I have to do to get that achievement? Read two pages. That's how low the bar is. 
two pages. Not five, not ten, not twenty. Let me tell you something. When we start to give our sacrifice to God, the, 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 the bar is so low. The bar is so low. You want to know why he was saying don't bring me no wild animals? He's telling you, I got, you got to give me something that's going to cost you. Because we regulate God to second place in our life. You can go out, and I've been guilty of this, you can go out and get a $650 car payment. A $650 car payment. But when it comes time to give to the church, you nickel and diamond it. You nickel and diamond it. You're walking up here. And then you're hoping, you, you're looking out the corner of your eye, talking to Sister Moore, hoping that Taylor and Sierra grab the offering. But, oh, I just missed it. I guess I'll just give next week. And now what people do? Oh, Brother Dunn, we only have 20 people in the church. I've seen people with 10 give thousands to the Lord. Where are our priorities? I'm included in that. Where are our priorities? Where are our priorities? So the bar has been so low. It's so low. But we are supposed to be a living sacrifice unto the Lord. So let's turn to Mark 11. Mark 11. All of us are familiar with it. 15 through 17. This is Jesus after he comes into Jerusalem. It's before he's crucified. And after that, he does his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And they scream, Hosanna. He goes into the temple. And it says, so they came to Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem went into the temple and began to drive out those who brought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now, this was the only place where Gentiles could come near the temple. Now, if you were a male, you had to pay a tax at the temple. Now, we see all the things that you had to bring when you came to the temple to sacrifice. You either had to bring something from your livestock, you had to bring a lamb or a goat, or you had to bring a turtle dove or a pigeon. And when you came to Jerusalem, Sierra and Taylor, you had to have these things ready to do, go through the sacrifices at the temple. Jesus comes in there, and he says, he starts kicking over tables. And he says, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves. The reason why he did that was the money changers and the people that sat at that particular place of the temple, if Levi brought his sacrifice, they would automatically say it was something wrong with it. Oh, it was not without blemish and force you to buy one of theirs at marked up prices. Now, Jesus comes in and he sees all of this and he gets mad. Because you have turned my house from a place of love and prayer to just being another something like Wall Street. Now, let me show you this point. Now, you would think that he would be happy with all the extra income coming into the temple. But he says, 
I want a sacrifice from a pure heart, not worrying about how much money. God doesn't care how much you give. It's how you give it. He's like, we're still making thousands, but I don't care about that. If Mother Delarenz can only afford a turtle dove and he's giving it from his heart, that's what I want. Remember the lady with the two mites. She, was the, she gave the least amount. And he said she's gave the most because she gave of all she had. God is interested in what you had offered to him. He's not putting a price tag on what you, So those $50 lines and $1,000 lines, that makes people feel self-conscious. He's saying, if you want to give it, give it, but give it in the right spirit. Think about that. He kicks over the tables. He was mad. Only place in the Bible you see him really kind of losing his temper. Other than him telling Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. But he's mad. Because... The bar has been lowered so low, so low, that people are like, huh, just give God anything. And you could have the perfect sacrifice. Somebody that's coming from miles and miles away, and you get to that temple table. And like, oh, that's not good enough. And then they would do currency exchanges, mark them up. They said seven to ten times, all about money. And this, they were in cahoots with the high priest. This is all sponsored by the high priest, the Sanhedrin. They're all behind this. Why? Because they're about money. Do you think those extra prices were going into the temple where they stored all the salt and all that stuff? It was going to people's pockets. It was going to people's pockets. That's why you got so many people that get, sit, on their, sit on their couches every Sunday and listen to these prosperity preachers. And all these guys preach is nothing but junk and love for this world. If you want a million dollar house, just ask God for it. And if you don't get it, it's because you don't have a lot of faith. And God is like, I don't care about houses. I don't care about automobiles. I care about your soul. Because the houses and the cars and all that 401ks, all that's going to burn. But they get up there. You listen to these wolves in sheep clothing. And it's nothing about heaven. It's nothing about your soul. It's all about the things that you can acquire in this world. And God is far removed from that. And his church needs to be the same way. And so, God is mad. Kicks over the tables, trying to show us that he does not care about the, the bottom line like businesses do. He cares about you giving from a pure heart. I said this once, and I say it again. If you are giving something to God and your hand is like this, keep it. Keep it. Keep it keep it so let's go to Romans 12 verse 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable to God. Holy, consecrated, set aside. Which is your reasonable service. 
your reasonable service. So what does that mean? He's showing us that because of the by the mercies of God, by him going to Calvary instead of us, he has literally, when we are born again, Sister Moore, we become a living sacrifice, meaning we are dedicated to him. Remember, he says our bodies are a holy temple unto him in Corinthians. We have when we become new and we are born again, the old man is dead. So you literally are a living Worshiping sacrifice, meaning your whole dedication of your being, of your heart, of your soul, of your heart is dedicated to God. That's why you are a living sacrifice. So what that means, that everything about you belongs to him. There's no more mine. It is all his because you are his body. Okay, so we got that. We got that foundation. And we present ourselves a living sacrifice, meaning that you're not dead. You're constantly giving it to him, constantly giving it to him, which means, and he says, which is your reasonable service. And a lot of us take that and say, oh, that's the worst. That's the, that's the least we can do. No, study your Greek. That word reasonable actually means logos, which means word, which means when you are a living sacrifice to God, you are actually becoming the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and it became living flesh when you have dedicated yourself to be a living sacrifice you are becoming the word which is Jesus Christ himself you are the word of God that's why that anointing will never leave you that's why sister Moore when you are living sacrifice that's why you drive from Chihuahua when you're going through financial hardship but you're still teaching your girls to praise God that's what you're doing you're dedicating yourself Giving them all. When you are witnessing the people, bringing people from your job to church, you are a living sacrifice because everything about you is dedicated to Him. That's what that means about being a living sacrifice. Everything about you is dedicated to Him. That's why you come to church when you're tired. That's why you come to church when you don't feel like it. That's why you lift up holy hands when you're just tired of the world. That's why you get up there, girls, and you sing. You might make a mistake here and there, but you're not doing it for us. You're doing it for him because I'm a living sacrifice. I was purchased with a price, and this is the least I can do. I'm becoming more and more like the word. And when you become like the word... Heaven and earth will pass away before anything about you diminishes. That's what you got to understand. You are the word of God. Sister Linda, you might be the only Bible that somebody can read. Think about that. That's why you do those things. This woman has lost a son, going through grief, but she hasn't missed one church service because she's living her life. I'm a sacrifice unto my God. And you got people that bump their toe and miss three weeks. Think about that. Think about it. When Sarah and Nathan, when you show up to church every Sunday, you're showing them, Levi and Gianna, that my daddy and mommy are a living sacrifice. That's all I know to be in the house of God on Tuesdays and Sundays. That's the witness. That's about being a living sacrifice. The more and more I give, 
the more my become the word. That's your reasonable service. That's what that word means. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Which means his acceptable will and perfect will is for you to become like him. Philippians says, he that has begun a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ, which means every day he is working to bring you to look more and more like him. So when that day, when the, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, when the rapture comes and you are either in the ground or alive, when he changes you within a twinkling of an eye, he's going to look at Levi, he's going to look at Sister Moore, and he's going to see nothing but himself in you. That's why you're a living sacrifice, because the more word I am, the more I'm like him. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your house. He wants you. You are his great reward. You are. He didn't go to Calvary for no Benjamins and Franklins. He didn't go to Calvary for no house in the, bah- in the Bahamas. He didn't go to Calvary for all this materialistic stuff. He went for you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And so, when you and your life is dedicated to him, as it says, it's a sweet savor. You know what that It means sweet means an odor of fragrance. And sweet means rest. Think about that. The odor from your life puts God at rest. Think about that. You only rest when you're content. You only rest when you're content. So when your life is pleasing to him, you literally put God at rest. Wow. Think about it. And you smell good to him. And it's a daily cologne. We can spray ourselves with cologne since the global, but tomorrow we got to do it again because it wears off. But this fragrance stays with you. When you're in a mall, when I'm at a cool game with 35,000, God is, oh, I smell Brother Dunn. Oh, I smell Brother Dunn. And you know what? He gets excited about it. He gets so excited, sir, he rests. Now, you see all this dynamic happen. Now you understand the scriptures where it says the angel stooped down looking like. We used to worship him on a mountain when Lucy was up here. We used to do all these things. We used to be running around him with the cherubim, praising him. But these redeemed creatures that have been redeemed by his blood, when they live their life to him, this man chills and rests. Oh, you better understand what great salvation you have. The heavens change because of you. You touch God the way an angel never could. And they're so mesmerized by it, they stoop down and be like, how can this be? How can this be? Because your life is a living sacrifice. 
There better not be nothing on this earth that you're holding on to that you're like, I'm going to take that over, God. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. When Pastor preached that a couple of weeks ago, talking about getting on your iPad and for hours, look at Man, you want to know, oh, that pulled me. That pulled me. So, God's been testing me in a good way. See, Aaron Taylor, I don't sleep much. I don't. PTSD, all that stuff. I average about four hours of sleep a night. Constant turning. Sometimes I go out on the couch because I end up keeping my wife up. But typically what I do, Levi, when I can't sleep just no more, I go get my iPad, and I get on the couch, and I'm like, I'm going to seek the Lord. You don't seek the Lord through YouTube, right? <laughs> oh, I'm going to listen to a preaching sermon. Yeah, you listen like five minutes of it, then you next thing you're looking at trucks and, and, and all this stuff. So God's like, put your money where your mouth is. So you want to happen this, just, just, just the last few weeks when I get up and I go on that couch, I don't even turn my iPad on. I'm just laying on the couch. Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I worship you. I magnify your holy name because I am so infatuated with living my life toward you. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. We got to make sure that we are a holy living sacrifice unto God. That's why I've, I've, Sister Glover, I'm like, what's on YouTube that's more important than the salvation of my soul? What, why am I spending so much of my time on stuff that's not eternal? Now, I'm not trying to say you've got to read your Bible seven, eight hours a day. Maybe you do. <laughs> Maybe we do. Because think about it, the bar has been set so low. Remember the prayer wheel? Hour. And we feel like we can go conquer the gates of hell because you pray for an hour. I pray for an hour. I feel so good about myself. Think about that. 24 hours in a day. We give God one and we feel like we've done something. Think about it. But the bar has been so low. It's so low. And we're like, oh, and we, and we say, oh, this is about being a, a living out. This is about being a holy sacrifice unto God. Just do this, 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 and this, and you're in there. And God is like, no, 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 no. As Nathan said on, on, on Sunday, I'm asking for 10% of your money, but 100% of your worship. I want 100% of you. He bought you. Sister Glover, and you go buy a car, and you, whether you finance it or not, you expect to get all of the car. Not 10%, not a steering wheel and some brakes. You expect to get all of it, right? So God, and because you're putting down your hard-earned money, he laid his life down and brought us with his life. And we just want to give them a toe. And not even a pretty pinky toe. It's one of the ones with a bunch of bunions and coins on it. 
You follow what I'm saying? Or we just want to give them a pinky. Or we just want to give them an ear. But God is like, I brought all of you. Hmm. Y'all getting quiet on me. You are a living sacrifice. And if your life is a living sacrifice unto God, you are a sweet-smelling savior, savor in his life. You put him at rest. Think about that. That's the only, it might be some other scriptures that maybe I haven't dug up yet, but those are the only times you put God at rest. Like hand in his pocket like, yeah, I'm good. That's what your life does to him. Think about that. If you are a living sacrifice unto God, we cannot lose focus on that. We cannot get to the point to where we start to judge each other by what they give because you don't know their heart. What we do is if somebody gives 5000 we say they must really love God because we are putting an amount of love off of what they give. But God went against that when he said so many people gave this and so many gave that. But the woman with the two mites, which was almost, I think, a, a, either a year or a month's salary. And they said, he said, she gave the most. They're like, what, what are you talking about? Because she, all these guys gave out of their abundance. She gave all that she had. Think about that. Think about that. See, what we do, I'm guilty of this too. Sister Lynn, if you got $5 left, you got $5 left, you might say, I'll give God $250 because I got to have that other $250. So I got to eat. And most people are like, that's, yeah, yeah, you giving God half? That's, girl, you're going above and beyond. I remember I saw a church skit because of the times years ago. And this guy came up, and uh, he was like, man, they passed the offering plate around. And one guy put $2 in there, and another guy put 5 He said, you put $5 in there? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost coming on over $5 and stuff. But we will say, oh, but when you are all in, you don't look at what you are losing. You look at what you're gaining. That's why some people get messed up in their mind about giving offering. Oh, we give tithes. Oh, yeah, 10% are there. But that offering really deceives where you are with God. Because we give God out of our surplus. We do. Oh, I paid my tithes. What's the old saying? 10% for tithes, 5% for offering. I gave all that. I gave 15% of my income. That's what we say. My income teller. And God is like, Last time I checked, I own all of you, so all of it is mine. I wasn't going to say this, but I am going to say it. And I want everybody to take this, not as Brother Dunn bragging. I'm going to sit down. So, an opportunity at my job has been presented to me to be the next director of three departments. 
and it's a substantial raise. But you want to know what I told God, and I'm not fleecing him? If this door is open and you allow me to step in, the raise, the whole raise is going to this church. I got enough. I'm good. But we need a new water heater, it'll buy it. We need some work around the church. The whole raise, not 50%. I'm good. I'm good. I'm giving it to God. I'm not, not, this is not bragging, but I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I am a living sacrifice to him. And the increase that he's given me, I'm giving it to the church because God has blessed me. I'm an anointed vessel of his, and I'm going to do, I'm not going to hold on to something that's going to not go with me when I wake up, I wake up on the other side of glory. Yeah. Giving it to God. Yeah. Now, that's a big step for me. Because guess what? After I saw the potential raise, I went on YouTube, 2025 Dodge Ram trucks. That's what I started doing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you talk to yourself, yeah, I'll give extra 5%. I'll give extra $500 to the church. No, no, it's all going to God. Thank God this is on tape because Sister Dunn is the first she's hearing this. It's all going to God. God, because Sister Linda, you know what? I, God said, be thou an example. If you want your church to give, you better have leadership that gives. If you want to have a church that prays, you better have leadership that prays. If you want to have a church that glorifies God, you better have a minister or preacher and pastor and assistant pastor that glorifies God. And I am not going to come up here and preach to you about going in your pocket if I am not being a living example. God hasn't promised me the job, but I tell you what, if it comes... That's going to the church. I'm shutting up. I'm a living sacrifice. When is enough enough? Oh, you got this, you got that. You got this, you got that. When is enough enough? When is enough enough? When are you going to start? God said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. But this is my thing. I'm not looking for a blessing to come back. My blessing is when these seats are full. These seats are full. That's my blessing. I care less about money. I care less about that. When you start getting older, when you're getting your, close to your 50s, you, you, you know your mortality. It's like, what's the, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's to crucify Jesus Christ. Not about having money in your pocket, but if that blessing, if God blesses me with it and it puts seats in the pews and people, we're filled on a Tuesday and filled on a Sunday and it's about souls being changed, that's my reward. That's my reward because the Bible says store things up in heaven. Not down here where the moth and the thief can steal and corrupt. Store your treasures in heaven. I'm done. Living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. That's what we are.
living sacrifice, constantly giving our all to him. And he sits up there sniffing you. Oh, that smells so good. <laughs> Levi, you smell so good. That God just like, oh. You see those commercials, those downy commercials? You see people smelling there. They're, they're all on a the, on the, on the bus. Oh, just a, that's how God is when he looks at your life. God sent them there. And the angels over there like, we praise him all the time. We stand over his throne. He don't be smelling us like that. That's why they stoop down. Because this whole redemption thing is, they don't understand it. Because they don't know what it's like to be redeemed. They don't know what it's like to be redeemed. They always say, Your, all of our sins are forgiven, and they are. But, Sister Moore, I remember how I used to be. I remember when Sister Dunn girls first met me. I was backslidden. I look at those pictures of me when I was 19 and 20. It doesn't even look like Brother Dunn. Doesn't even, you just have a look. You're just, you're just out there. doesn't even look like me. I remember. I remember being around gunshots fine. It could have been me. But God let the brother swerve the other way. At a house party right before I joined the Air Force. People get to fighting. Guns, cops show up. This one cop that knew my father, and he walked up, and he saw me. And I was, he gave me that look. You want me to call your father? I was, Mm-mm. And I got in my car with my cousin, and we got out of there. Right after we left, two people were shot dead. Me and my cousin at a high school football game, my senior year, one of my Buddies from, from grammar school was playing, and I went to go see him. These two guys get into a fight in the, uh, in the uh, parking lot. Guy starts reaching for his gun. They're right there. Me and my cousin are right here. Could have got killed on the humble. So, Mr. Sister Moore, I knew where I was. I know where he brought me from and gave me this great salvation. And I'm going to let something like money or cars and all that stuff hinder me from being a living sacrifice? No, 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 no. I'm done. I'm done. I hope I didn't bore you. But you're a holy living sacrifice to him. You're a holy living sacrifice. And that reasonable service, oh, this is the least I can do. No, 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 no. When you're a living sacrifice, you become in that word every day. Look it up. I'm not making it up. The Greek word is, is legat, and then the root word is logos. Same word that they use in John. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the logos. Same word. You are becoming the word. Think about that. And he's saying, that's your reasonable service, becoming the word. Think about that. As Paul would write, what great salvation we have. Let's stand. Thank you for being here. I'm excited about what God is going to do. I'm excited about the word of God coming forth. It, 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 it's It's... We, we, we need to make sure that our minds 
are right when we come into church, especially on Sundays. We need to make sure our minds are right. We need to make sure that we wake up. It's not, and I know sometimes with little ones and stuff, it could be a struggle to get out of the house. But we normally send three to four songs, right? You shouldn't be getting warmed up by the fourth song. Now I'm ready. You need to come in through those doors ready. You need to come in through those doors ready. You follow what I'm saying? It shouldn't be, oh, boy, when Sierra plays that third song, I'm ready to run. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You should be tripping over the steps when you come in here because you're so excited to give him glory. You're so excited to hear the word of God. Yeah, I think there needs to be more standing when pastor's preaching because you are agreeing. When you say amen, you're agreeing, and your soul is absorbing. You're not going to remember word for word, but your soul is being fed, and that makes your living sacrifice that much better. And when you start to take what is preached and you apply it and live it, oh, my goodness. You like you like you like transformers. You just turn into a just turn into a big old robot. Because God is God has purchased us with a price, his own blood. You no longer have control over your own life. You are his. And we need to some of us need to do some inventory and say, what is keeping me from being more consistently in church? What is keeping me from praying consistently on a daily basis? All of us need to pray every day. Amen. All of us need to pray every day. It needs to be longer than 10 or 15 minutes. All of us need to read our word every day. You need to set time aside. We set time aside for Netflix. We set time aside for YouTube. We set time aside for all these things. But we have a hard time setting time aside for God. I'm in that boat, too. So easy. It's so easy to go home on Sundays and get that Pentecostal nap and eat some fried chicken and sit on your couch. And be like, mm, yeah, we serve the Lord good today. But you want to know what Brother Dunn did? I was so, girls, I was so, 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 so turned on by the preach word. I came home. I went in Jasmine's room, checked on her. I got home. I changed into my sweatpants, and I went down in my office, and I just laid before God and just poured my heart out to him. God, change me. Change me. Change me. I'm tired of having the bar down this low. I'm tired of being a mediocre Christian. I want to put my money in my, where my mouth is and do things that are different than what I've been doing. I'm shutting up. Lord, we love you. We praise you.